Hello, and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a brand new Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted to our Twitter at Fulcrum Pod and Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. Be sure to follow us on either of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, I'm Sage. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. Um, you can find me at Sage Sandula on TikTok and on Twitter. Hi, my name is Claire and my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at Claire Kenobi and on Twitter at Corky Kenobi. Today we are going to be talking about the High Republic, specifically the first wave of books, which includes Light of the Jedi, Into the Dark, and A Test of Courage. So spoiler warning for those three books. Let's get into it. Um, we can start by talking about Avar Chris, my beloved. I love her so much. Um, and how like the like the difference between the Jedi in the High Republic era and the Jedi in this era now in well, the Clone Wars era. Um, Cause I was having some interesting thoughts while re-listening to this book today about the idea of we are all the Republic um, and how that whole concept is just completely gone in the Clone Wars. Because we see like with, the in the Clone Wars show throughout the entire show we have all these people who are just relying on the Jedi to save them and there's that one episode in particular with um when Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi-Wan meet Sugi um the bounty hunter I don't remember what episode that was but they have those little people who they're trying to protect from pirates from Hondo and Aka and we see them being like well we need you guys we need the Jedi and the Jedi are kind of like we really shouldn't get involved in this right now this is not like we have our own mission to do we need to get other things done there's an entire galactic war happening and they end up helping of course because they are Jedi and they serve people and they serve the force um but we see that like the Republic is so dependent on the Jedi at the time of um, the Clone Wars versus when we're in the High Republic era. We had the whole Hetzal um, disaster that happened. We had so many people who were not Jedi who just immediately were like, this is what we're doing. And we're stepping up because we are all the Republic and we're our people. Um, the two pilots, um, Pika and Joss, who helped with um, stopping the emergencies as they're coming out of hyperspace and going to hit Hetzal, they just immediately were like, oh, we can help. We know how to handle these things. And yeah, we need your help with as Jedi because you guys have super mind powers, and, but we can help you guys. That is something that we don't really see in the Clone Wars. We really get this sense of, oh, we're, we're the Republic, but the Jedi are the protectors of the Republic. And yeah, we have the clones, of course, who are, but they're more of the army, you know, they're not there to protect the average citizen. They're there more in like a grand scheme kind of way. They're fighting battles that are obviously helping the Republic and helping the citizens with a few exceptions being like the Ryloth arc where we see Waxer and Boyle um, helping Numa out. We don't really get that sense of community, the sense of like, our people are in trouble and we all need to make an effort to help them. Yeah, I think like another big thing that you kind of mentioned that's like a big theme is that like the Jedi aren't an army for the Republic, which 
in the Clone Wars, that's literally what they are. But in the High Republic era, they're like, they're never like going on the offensive unless they really have to. They're all about like defending. It's when they're having the council meeting towards the end of the book about like what to do about the Nile. And they're like, we're not going to go attack them. Like, that's not our thing. But if they're going to be attacking people, then we'll be like putting ourselves out there to defend the people they're attacking. And it's obviously also a result of like, who the leadership is at the time like obviously Lena So and Palpatine are very different and so it's like a combination of that right. and just like that the Jedi are firm to their beliefs and like not going to be warriors which is the exact opposite of how we see them in the Clone Wars. Yeah and I also think the way that they go about like helping people there's this one line very early on um, during the like great disaster where Avar is she has just arrived and she is looking at all this thing that's happening and she's like our lightsabers are not going to help these people the jedi are going to help these people and i was like wow that is something that we never ever get in the clone wars because it's never oh let's us as jedi help these people it's always like we need to win this battle in order to help people they never really they with of, of course few exceptions we see a lot of padme trying to help people with um like not through fighting. She's not a Jedi, of course, but and we do see like people like her try to help people. But when it comes to the Jedi, especially our like two main protagonists, Ahsoka and Anakin, we never see them really sit down and say, how can we help these people without fighting? It's never that. And in the High Republic, it's always our lightsabers are our last resort. These are not weapons. These are defense. Yeah, the lightsaber thing's really interesting to me for that and that they're like, lightsabers are specifically designed to be like, they're better than a blaster. I don't know what the right word is, but the, basically the whole point of the lightsaber is to be like the je- the weapon of a peacekeeper, not a warrior. And like, yeah, the idea that they only draw their lightsabers if it's absolutely necessary. Like it's the scene with Loden and Bell where they're like fighting the marauders trying to keep people from leaving the planets and they're like, and Bell's like, should we take our lightsaber? Like, are we going to fight? And Loden's like, not unless we really have to, um, which is obviously very different because in the Clone Wars, it's always like charging in like lightsabers out. And it's all about battle strategy as opposed to like feeling out a situation and trying to like come up with a diplomatic solution before they resort to like violence and killing. Absolutely. I think, and I really, this whole first wave, I feel not to sum something, the whole like wave down to one line, but there is a line in Into the Dark where Wreath has just cut off the one of these guys' arms in the Maxine station. And he is feeling guilty about it because he's like, wow, and he didn't kill him, but he still like maimed him. And he's like, that guy will never have an arm again. And he says something along the lines of, that was a life at the end of my lightsaber. And I was really just like, wow, that was, Anakin Skywalker could never. Literally so many scenes, I was just reading those and I was like, "Mm, imagine like if Anakin were here, (laughs) he would not be reacting great to this. This is more like rising storm, but like people who compare Elzar to Anakin, I'm like, "Mm -mm, get out. He, Elzar would never, like he has his moments, but like he, he is not. Anakin that is not who he is any of the Jedi during the Clone Wars era I feel like if you stuck them in the High Republic era they'd be like what why aren't why aren't we fighting why are we just standing here but like the Mm -hmm. way that like any Jedi in the High Republic who's like forced to take like a life or lives immediately after is like I feel guilty about this even though I had to do it 
and there's a lot of like conversations between like younger Jedi and older Jedi of them being like I like I had to kill someone or like do something and I feel really bad about it and the older Jedi are like you had to do it but like you can still feel like remorse and like recognize that it's not great to take a life I think that the Padawan and master relationships in just the High Republic in general are so different than what we see in the Clone Wars and prequel era. They're, it's very much a let's get through this together instead of a do what I do and just kind of wing it. I feel like that's very much, especially when we see like Anakin and Ahsoka. Ahsoka just does things that Anakin does. And sometimes it's more it Anakin will be like oh great job and sometimes he's like whoa don't do that and she's like but why like you you do it all the time we see that she is kind of like you don't have to baby me like I'm I'm a grown-up but she's not she's a child um fighting a war commanding a war um and Anakin is giving her this example of what she should be we also see it with um there's one episode, I think it's in the Citadel arc, where Ahsoka goes to um, the Citadel without Anakin's permission. And Obi-Wan even says, wow, like I see that Anakin's method of teaching is do as I do, not as I say. And we see that all the time. We never really see that in the High Republic. We, we look at relationships like Bell and Loden, and they have like their their struggles, you know, and I wouldn't call them struggles compared to other master and apprentice relationships, but we do see that Belle is kind of like, why should I have to do these like crazy things when you can do them so much faster? And Loden is kind of like, well, that's how you're going to learn, you know, and I'm always going to be there to teach you, even if sometimes you don't really want to learn, you know, like when I throw you off of a building, Maybe that's not the best thing in the world as readers to see. But in the end, Bell learns something from Loden that he would not have learned otherwise. And when we see the people in the Clone Wars, the, especially with Anakin and Ahsoka, she's kind of like, well, I, I happen to learn this. And yeah, Anakin had a hand in it, but... A, a lot of her things that she learns is on her own. There's an entire arc about her being lost. Um, I think it's literally called Padawan Lost is the episode where she is with those other younglings, Jedi younglings. And she, at the end of the arc, she says, well, I was able to do this because of your training. And you're like, okay, yeah, great. But also when you look at it, a lot of that was just her. And I feel like if we saw Belle in a situation like Ahsoka was in that, things would have turned out very differently. Um, And how they would have handled their situations would have been very different because of the way that they were taught. Yeah, the master and and like, it's interesting because they're not in a period of war. So you get to see like what a master and apprentice relationship looks like when their only objective isn't to like fight in a war. Um, So like with Belle and Loden, they're just like, for a lot for part of the book and like what they're talking about what they've been doing they're just kind of like hanging out and like training but it's not like high stakes because bell isn't literally commanding like an army of clones he's just trying to Mm -hmm. learn how to be a jedi yeah he's just teaching him like that's their only objective it's not for the purpose of fighting it's just for the purpose of like 
Bell deepening his connection with the force and like mastering skills that he needs to master. Uh, honestly, all the master Padawan relationships in the higher public, I'm just like, they get along. Like, I don't feel like there's any weird tension, which I think there is sometimes in the Clone Wars. Like Bell, Bell and Loden, especially. I'm just like they're they're the blueprint. Like I all master and really should are. be them. Um, mm-hmm. They're getting along well, which is helping them to learn better because it's like I like and respect this person. I don't feel like they're just like talking at me or like looking down on me or making me do things. It's like a give and take where like Bell is learning from Loden, but he respects Loden and he trusts Loden even when he's like mm, some of this stuff seems kind of weird, but it's just in his teaching technique um and yeah I think that like that got lost in the time between when it became more about like fighting um and the master and padawans don't seem to have the same like bond that they do in the high republic time period right and I feel like the when we kind of get that back is with Kanan and Ezra I can when I when you rewatch rebels after like reading all the High Republic material, you're kind of like, okay, I can see some of Loden in Kanan, and I can see some of Bell or some of Imri in Ezra, you know, we see these, like, relationships forming, and they are still in war, Kanan and Ezra, they're fighting the, the Empire, but they also, you know, take the time to, I feel like, learn about the Force a lot, which is what the High Republic, a lot of their master and apprentice relationships really rely on their perspectives of the force and that is something that we really do not get in the clone wars yeah and i think that one of the great things about like kanan and ezra is that i feel like they're both learning from each other even though like ezra is the student kanan is fully open with him like i am learning how to teach a student and like have a student and so like i'm learning too and I feel like that's really, like, I see that a lot in, like, Vernestra and Imri and, like, even Reith and Comac, where it feels like they're learning how to be a master by teaching their student who's learning from them. And so it doesn't feel like there's a weird, like, power imbalance, even though one of them technically is, like, a superior. It doesn't feel like you're, I'm just telling you what to do because I'm more experienced than you. It feels like they're trying to learn how to be a better teacher by their interactions with their Padawans. Do we want to talk about Avar because she's everything? Avar Chris is the moment. Avar Chris, if I am free Friday night, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to come over. Literally, the scene um, where she like braids her hair with the force. I think about that every day. I'm like so sexy over her. I'm in love with her. We can start with like her perception of the force. Avar's perception of the force is something that we have never seen. Um, She sees the force as music, which is the coolest thing ever. And through her ability to connect all the Jedi through the force, a lot of our um, like spirit of unity is put in that. It comes from her being able to connect everybody and her and the Jedi have this relationship where she's not speaking to them it's just feelings and they can they're able to translate those feelings into what she's meaning and saying I mean honestly through everything at Hetzel but like specifically when they move the piece of debris that's like flying at the planet where like all the Jedi are working together because I was like we've Mm -hmm. never seen the force be used in that way and like 
seen it be so strong because like as the Jedi turned more to like soldiers I feel like they lost a lot of their connection to the force so it like weakened out but like seeing how strong the force is in this time and like the way they all have a different perception of it but like can still all connect to use it for one goal all working together is really crazy and I was like oh my god the force I'm I'm always just like I don't really understand what it is but like cool but now I'm like I still don't really know what it is but I feel like I understand (laughs) it better after reading the books do we want to talk about Apar and Elza or just yeah more Apar? yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think we should talk about it um Abar and Elzar have one of the cutest little relationships (laughs) in Star Wars and I say this coming from a place of I'm obsessed with Kanan and Hera I think that a close second to them would be Elzar and Abar in terms of how they understand each other. We see in the very beginning um, of the great disaster, Avar's connected to everyone and she like singles out Elzar and and he's like alone, he's not with anyone else. And she's like, well, of course he's alone. He only talks (laughs) to me and Stellan, of course, but Stellan doesn't make an appearance um, in this book, um, at least until later, I don't think. And she's like, yeah, he's there. And he's doing he's doing his thing and he's doing a good job. And then later when we um they're talking and they're talking to Lena So and Avar or Avar's like, yeah, Elzar did a really great job at Hetzal. And Elzar is in his perspective and he's like, oh my God, she knows what I did. <laughs> that makes me feel so good. Because they just have this understanding of each other that is so just like we don't see that in a lot of other relationships in Star Wars where they really get each other. There's some issues, you know, they're both Jedi and Avar is like, you know, we can't really do this because attachments. And Elzar's more in a spot where he's like, okay, but like, it's something that has happened before and it can happen again, you know? And I think that's really great for him. Yeah, I think it's just the way that they interact. Like, even before you know that there's anything romantic between them, it's believable that they've known each other as long as they have. And, like, when you do find out, it's believable that they had, like, a romantic relationship because you can just tell. I think my favorite moment between them in the book is when they're interviewing the the Santeca husbands and Elzar is like, mm, I think they're lying. And he, like, kind of reaches out to Avar and is like, should we? And she's just like, no don't don't do that don't use your mind don't do anything it's so funny because the way they word it is just like only Avar would understand what he was saying but like he she did yeah and she responds and he completely he knows exactly what she's trying to say and it's just like okay fine I won't do anything Mm -hmm. and when they're when the machine (laughs) they're trying to build to find the emergencies coming out of hyperspace and Elzar's like I have an idea and she's like, oh, no, you have an idea? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, don't worry. It's going to be great. <laughs> and they go, and they're outside, and she just knows immediately what he's doing. And they're like, and she's like, oh, you want to make a storm cloud? Sure, why not? Maybe it'll work. And, they, and she doesn't even question him. It's just like, this is not a typical thing to do as a Jedi, like, other Jedi wouldn't think of this but she's so okay with that even though she I feel like Avar is one of the more traditional Jedi in terms of like 
really keeping to this, um, like a stricter code. And yet she sees Elzar doing his own thing. And she's like, who am I to get in the way of how he, of his journey through the force? Like, that is not my place. His, his journey and finding his own path through the force is his own thing. And that, that's none of my business. And I feel like that is something that we needed a little bit more of in the Clone Wars. Yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, Elzar's whole thing, he's like, oh, I kind of want to do things my own way, but like, I would like to be a master so I can like pursue my own projects. And Avar is like, you go, bestie. Like, I will support you. Mm-hmm. The scene where they make the storm, that whole like chapter with um Kevin, Kevin Tarr Kevin building Tarr. his little machine and the whole chapter, he's oh. like, oh my God, it's not working. Oh my God. I, I love him. I think that he's great. I love but yeah, him that so whole much. chapter is so good. I it's I think it's when he first meets Avar and Elzar like in that chapter and he's like, Yeah, Avar is cool, but like Elzar is han- like he looks like he's on a TV show. And I'm like, what what is that? Like <laughs> canonically handsome Elzar. So true. And just everyone like knowing it. Everyone everyone sees Elzar and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> Jedi are hot. <laughs> Literally. Just him. That whole squad. Him like, and Stellan. Even Stellan. Are yeah, Stellan, everyone is like, oh my god, Stellan's that Jedi that I saw on TV who I'm like in love with now. Yeah. Yeah, no, Poor it's so, it's so like, funny. My old master. My old master's a celebrity now. <laughs> yeah, when she's like, she, this is like way later than this, but when she describes like the video of him like on the on the hollow net with like the single tear going down his cheek I'm like no Stellan like everyone in the whole galaxy is gonna be in love with him <laughs> oh my god he cried he cares <laughs> that is literally what the entire galaxy like thinks of Stellan Geos at the moment and he's like I went through a trauma you guys I went through trauma and now I can't talk about it because I have so much to do. Sorry, we're getting into it. We're getting into it. Yeah, I'm like, right I'm out of the shadows. <laughs> let's reel it back. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about the Nihil because they they're doing a lot right now. I did you when you read Light of the Jedi were you thinking like, oh, Martian is like scary, like like as you were reading, or did it not like hit until the end? Okay, at the I was like he's mysterious which was interesting to me and then like when I think it's literally the scene where he like cuts off Kasim's hand I was like oh my god he's insane yeah that was okay my like first oh my gosh he's kind of weird was when he is um with Mari and that whole scene is so interesting to me and I was re-listening to it today how he's like she's my family and I love her and now I'm going to electrocute her until she's on the brink of death. <laughs> and I was like, who is this guy? And then I was like, oh my gosh, he just has like anger issues. Like he's boring. And then at the end, when we find out that he's the one who called the Elfrona outpost, I was like, no way. Like he is actually, he knows what he's doing. And he's not just some like little kid with daddy issues. That is what I, my first um, experience with Markian was. Yeah, the first scene with Mari where he's just like, yeah. And like my dad, who I kind of hate, but whatever, like passed her down to me. I was like, <laughs> he gave he gave you a whole woman? Like what's that? Mm-hmm. And then like- Family yeah, heirloom, the Mari Santeca. Yeah. 
I'm Casa. <laughs> he's doing so much, like him and his weird music, and like he's on drugs like the entirety of the novel and his entire tempest is just like insane like they don't have like any they're all just high all the time i'm like how are you how are y'all getting shit done i don't understand i feel like they're like he's have headaches 24 7 because they're always like every (laughs) scene they're in it's like and they were blasting music while on drugs Mm -hmm. and like shooting people down i'm like what is happening right now Oh, Kasim. We we love him. We stand Kasim in this house. He is, I love how he's also like the older one. Like he's painted as this like older Weequay who is kind of just nuts and doesn't really, he, he wants everything for himself. He's m- more of the greedy one. Um, not that they're not all greedy in the Nihil, but compared to Pan and Lorna, um, he definitely wants more for himself. And that ends up being his downfall, as it so often is. And I think that Charles Soule definitely did it very well in showing, like, and it also added to Mark's character, Mark Yonro's character, um, and how he is just willing to just end anyone who gets in his way. Yeah, I think, especially because, like, one of the first things we learn about Kasev is that he always has to be the first person in the room to speak, and, like, from that exact moment, you just know what kind of character he is, and then, like, after that, you learn about how he's, like, always doing drugs, and then you learn about, like, what his tempest is like, and it's so in character, like, all of them have their little, like, niche that they're, like, this is my thing, and it's really, like, consistent Mm -hmm. throughout, and you see it, like, every mem- like random member of their tempest like even in a test of courage i don't remember their names but the two nile who are like part of kasab's tempest like the way that they act i'm like yeah these are kasab's folks like i can see it yes. in them and then um, oh my god pan ada let's talk about i'm a pan ada anti yeah. <laughs> i can't i can't <laughs> me too he's, as we makes me as so we angry <laughs> pan boy Get away from Lorna, please. Literally, I'm like, do not interact with her. (laughs) No, she is, she is so high up there. And he is just on the ground. (laughs) Not, not associating myself with him. Let's talk about Lorna D. Um, Lorna D, you are so cool. I love you so much. Um, And we'll definitely talk about Lorna D more when we get to Tempest Runner at some episode in the future because I have a lot to say about Tempest Runner. (laughs) Um, But this is where we're introduced to her. Um, And we see her more first as this kind of, this woman who's just in the back. She's very quiet, but we know she holds herself very high. She names her ship after herself, um, the Lorna D. What a place to live. As we go on, we see, oh, you know, she's really smart. And she knows what she's doing. And I love Light of the Jedi because in the aspect of the Nihil, this is where the, the tension between Lorna and Mark Yamro starts. This is where we get to see, oh, she does not like him. And not just because he kind of inherited this position and didn't really have to work for it. You know, and that's the reason why Pan and Kasif don't like her or don't like him is because they're like, well, you're just like inheriting your daddy's position. And Lorna's kind of like, wait, I kind of, I kind of see something going on here. You know, she's very smart compared to her 
other Tempest Runner counterparts who just kind of want power and don't really care about strategy. That's the thing with Lorna is she's always like playing the long game. Like she will team up with people until the point where she can not team up with them so like every time that she's sort of like working with one of the other tempest runners or even like working with marcian she's like just doing it to further her own goals or like to keep her place and like keep her position of power which as she should she's so powerful literally like when they first introduced her and like she named her ship after herself i was like "Mm, not like car car boy lorna d naming her car after herself but then at like once she act once she like actually started doing stuff i was like you know what this is valid like i accept her um and she she's sexy enough to name her ship after herself and just yeah yeah, the way that she's like will use people relentlessly and then just be like yep okay now go off and die and we'll like sort of like even when she her and Marcian have a conversation later I don't remember the exact conversation where they're like talking about what happened to Kosov and she's like I know you did this but like it's fine I don't really care I'm just trying to like do my thing here and he's like cool we're good Mm -hmm. they definitely have the most interesting dynamic I and I'm very excited to see what happens in our next book that we're getting um in the fallen star where hopefully we get to see the after effects of um, Tempest Runner, but I'm getting ahead of myself once again. Um, I think that the conversation between the Tempest Runners and Markion at the very beginning of part two, where they're at the party and they go by themselves and Mark is like, we're done. We are not gonna put ourselves out there. This whole legacy run thing is getting too big right now. They're gonna be on us. and. Kasev, of course, is like, I don't care what you say. I'm doing whatever I want. Pan is like, I don't really want to get on Marcian's bad side right now. I'm just going to let it happen. And then Lorne is like, actually, I have an idea and it's a lot better than yours. Let me send some of my strikes out to um, Elfrona. And then Mark is like, oh my gosh, there's a Jedi outpost out there. And now, of course, after reading the book, you know why he wants to go there. He wants a Jedi. He wants learning Great Storm. Um, but Lorna acted like she didn't know that. And then she goes, really? I had no idea. <laughs> Mark is just like, she knew. She knew what she was doing. And then that starts this whole, this whole debacle of what happens when uh, Loden gets captured. And then we obviously know why um, Markian wanted to have a Jedi um, in his midst now um, in wave two we find that out but it starts the whole like Lorna really doesn't trust Markian she doesn't really trust anybody but she really does not trust Markian and but she knows how he works and she knows how she can get ahead of him yeah, I think that like the reason why they have a lot of conflict, which is really interesting and why they have such an interesting dynamic is because they're both so smart. They're always clashing because they're not just like working together. They're both like have their own goals and are doing their own thing. And like they do come together when they want to and it's like they can get shit done. But um, when they are uh, going against each other or have like opposing ideas, it's always gonna, and like I feel like it's gonna be even more so in like future books with where they're at now. But 
just like there's always this conflict between them because they're both really smart and they're both like think that they're right and want to do what they want to do um and have like good consistently good plans that like work out well for them okay into the dark into the dark might be my favorite I'm like rising storm into the dark are both definitely up there um for me I think the reason I like into the dark so much is the characters because it's just like this group of people they're like characters and they're all just they're all interesting and they all have their own interesting like plot lines going on and so to like put that group together and have them do what they do in this book was a really good choice and like they all blend really well and so I think that's why I liked it so much because they all just fit together really well. So we were talking about this earlier, but I read half of Light of the Jedi and then Into the Dark and then the other half of Light of the Jedi. So I didn't actually know that Reed's master, Dramali, died um, until that scene in the book towards, I think, like the last third of um, Into the Dark where he is talking to the droid and the droid's like oh no she your master's not here and he's like oh thank god she's alive and <laughs> she's okay and he's like no no she's dead <laughs> I was I had to stop reading and take a little break um because I was so upset and that is another master and apprentice relationship that I love was uh Jorah Molly and Reese Silas and how she left such an impact on him even after she died he was still learning things from her that is very important um and the only reason that like Reef was able to do what he did was because of how she trained him now we have Reef and Comac love Comac um would love to see more of their relationship uh we get a little bit in out of the shadows later but that their dynamic before the end of the book, before Comac becomes Reef Master, is very interesting to look at compared to um, Reef's interactions with the other characters. Other characters, let's talk about Orla Durrani for a minute. Oh my God, uh, I love my beloved. I am obsessed. Uh, as soon as she like was introduced as being like, she's part of the order, but she doesn't really like vibe with the council and she's like doing her own thing. I was like, yes, this is what I want. And like the whole idea of way seekers. And I think that like, it's cool that like the council recognizes that like way seekers are a thing. And it's like, yeah, we recognize that for some Jedi, like this is the path they need to take. It's not like they're like, like there is, there's not like conflict there where they're like, oh, you wanna do your own thing. Like that sucks. You need to do what we say. Comac and Orla both recognize throughout the book like that the council kind of has flaws and like the order as a whole has flaws and like that's another like big plot point but still the council is willing to accept like that that's what's right for Orla and not like challenge her on that and be like you do you and go follow what the force has laid out for you and not the order. Right and that's kind of what we're talking about with Elzar too about how different Jedi are going to have different ways of finding not only themselves in the force, but also like their purpose. I feel like that's a big part of just the high Republic in general is like, what is my, like, I know my purpose as a Jedi in the long run, you know, I'm supposed to serve the force. I am a tool of the force and I'm supposed to bring light to the galaxy. But each character has their own way of seeing themselves as an individual in the force, not just as Jedi, but as, a person who is a tool of the force 
And we see that a lot with, with Comac and Orla, obviously. We also see it with Vernestra um, a little bit in um, A Test of Courage. We see it with Elzar, of course. But it's a, a very interesting concept of who am I in the fours and where we really in the Clone Wars we see that a little bit with Anakin's kind of struggle between I feel like we get a lot of that between like his struggle between the light and the dark but as a as a whole as a general concept we don't really get that yeah I think that Comac and Orla's relationship is very interesting and I'm like I hope we get to see them do more together in the future especially like when you're getting bits and pieces of their like mutual story throughout the book and like flashbacks and so like the whole time you're kind of piecing together like why they're so close and why they're having such a hard time with this situation they like are on the same wavelength like they think similarly about a lot of things and so I think that they mesh really well they fully acknowledge each other like Orla and Comac are both like the order's not great but Comac's like I need to stay here and do things with the order because that's what's gonna help me but Orla is gonna go do her own thing but they're both like accepting of that yeah the two of them's relationship and their relationship with Wreath like Comac and Wreath but also Orla and Wreath and how Wreath is definitely like learning from her throughout the book and is like really intrigued by like her experience with the force. I love Wreath Me too. I literally I think I wrote down because I was like crying over um when he's like grieving his master I was like not this I can't do this Mm -hmm. um and I wrote down a specific quote that was literally the first line of a chapter and I was like I can't do this it was what do they do with a leftover padawan and I was like wreath I'm gonna oh. sob like don't do this to me I literally was like not the opening of the chapter I need to take a break from this we need to introduce um wreath to Belsenafar I think they literally For I'm like they need reasons. to inter- I need like wreath Bell and Vern just like hanging out just chilling yeah. I need them to all be together Mm-hmm. I just need them to have a good time. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just ha- stop giving them so much pain and just let them have a they good time. They literally throw so one. much trauma, specifically at like the Padawans and like the literal children. And I'm like, leave them alone. Yeah. Like, don't do that to them. They're children. They don't deserve this. And they're like all some of the best characters too. I'm like, I don't do that. Let them have a break. Yeah. Let, just go hurt someone else for a while. I feel like we need to talk about Geode. Geode. lives in my mind rent free like literally I when I first was reading the book I was like is this really just a fucking rock like what's going on and the way that Wreath is always like really confused about Geode and is like hey do you are we gonna talk or like do you not talk and I'm like me too Wreath I am so confused about this rock Geode was the MVP of that book (laughs) I at the very end where he literally saves Reef's life <laughs> where he saves Reef from getting sucked out of into space I screamed genuinely I, know, I was I literally was screaming like, I was like oh Geo. my god <laughs> yeah absolutely um and then Geo does make um an appearance in High Republic Adventures too, which we will get to in a later episode um but he is just the cutest which brings the, the whole crew of um, the vessel is just great. Which brings us to our other characters, Afi and Leox. Um, let's talk about Leox for a minute. Leox, my king. I am obsessed with Leox. 
when he um had his little moment in like close to the end of the book when they're doing like flashbacks to him and Affy first meeting where he had his moment where he was talking about being ace I was like oh my god representation I was so excited yeah him and Affy's relationship is everything to me even though like Affy is younger the amount of respect he has for her is really great and he's never like like there's a few moments where he's like I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that to you like you're not a child we're equals and she's like I really hate being treated like a child so it works really well because he like respects her as a partner and not like a kid who is tagging along with him right and I think that's like also really important I love the oh there's a there's a few characters in um, the high republic who have this um, very good communication um and Weox and Affy are definitely two of those characters who just have an understanding in a tough situation. They are under a lot of stress all the time. And also just, you know, just being in the outer rim a lot with the Nihil and they have, they both have their own struggles, which when you're in a situation like that, you're going to get worked up and you're going to, there's going to be a lot of things going on and you're going to snap at people and lash out at them, but they definitely know how to react to one another and they always can can bring it back and never blame each other they always say like let's work this out you know they have very they have very great communication levels yeah I really and I like Afi's individual story too with like her um adoptive mother I thought that was very interesting and like pretty emotional especially when she has to like um like turn her in at the end and like her like her internal like monologue and struggles throughout the book are really good I yeah I just think that she's a the two of them together really interesting Affie's a very interesting character and like their whole like history together is very good and them and Geo that whole squad they're so powerful I love them with Into the Dark we can talk about the Drengear oh my god nightmare fuel I'm so scared of them where we're at in the High Republic now, I feel like I haven't gotten much Drengear content, and so I totally forgot that they were there until literally just now. And I was thinking, I was like, "What was the main conflict again?" Oh wait, wait. these murderous plants who literally eat people. Um, the Drengear are really cool antagonists. The Drengear, they have um this hive mind where they eat people, and they have their own island. And I think that's really cool. Anything you would like to add about the Drengear? The Drengear are very scary. The way they were introduced is really good too because it's like Orla and Comac are fighting them and then Wreath is like on their home world and they're just like talking about him and like calling him meat and he's like, hmm, I don't like this. And he's just like, I'm just gonna like talk at them and like try to throw them off. Also that whole scene, cause I like, I got really attached to Dez in like the first part of the book and then he died and I was like not this and then he they brought him back and he was trying to kill Reef and I was like I'm experiencing so many emotions right now like <laughs> thank god he's alive but also why are they fighting I hate this so yeah that everything with the drinker was a lot and like when they follow him back to the station and then they're ha- they have their whole moment where they're like let's pit the drinker and the Nihil against each other so we can escape yeah drinker are scary don't that I don't was like very them. good do you want to move on to a test of courage? Yeah. Want? Um, well, I feel like the main themes with a test of courage are like grief and anger, specifically grief, because we have like honesty and Imri who are very different and have like 
but have like a similar struggle going on because Honesty's lost his father and Emery's lost his master, which he recognizes is like the closest thing he has to a father. There's one moment specifically that I think of where Emery is like feeling really angry about his master's death and he like connects to Honesty and he's thinking about his father and Emery's like, oh, father. And then he's like, wait, no. But then he's like, actually, yeah, he basically was my father. And so like honesty and Emery's relationship where they're like, we're going to team up and we're like literal children, but we're going to go fight some Nihil. I was like, okay, good luck. But they have like a really interesting relationship because they kind of bond over like their shared loss. Um, Emery's character and his empathic abilities are something that I feel like we don't see a lot of in Star Wars, Um, at least at that level of that he really just connected to honesty on accident and that was kind of the moment where I was like whoa like this kid is going to be powerful like if he can control these like this ability that he has he's going to do some crazy things um which we'll get into um my ideas about Emery and how I think he is going to affect the rest of um the High Republic era uh, but for now, let's just talk about how we see we see how Emery deals with his emotions. He's very much fight in the fight or flight. He and honesty go off and try to um, get justice for their parental figures um, without Vern's permission. Uh, she says, "Don't do that," and they do it anyways. Vern. And Imri have a great relationship. They're definitely, I think, my favorite master and apprentice relationship. Um, at least in this wave. Other things, I really do love Lula and Cantum Psy. Um, but we'll talk about that when we get to higher public comics. Um, but they, Vern is uh, a character who helps Imri through his emotions. But she also doesn't know how. And she's kind of like, go- as she doing it as she goes. You know, she's like, okay, well, this is how I know how to control my emotions. And this is how my master t- taught me. And she takes on this like role of master even before she agrees to being his master, even before she thinks about it, really. she know- She's a knight and she's very newly knighted. And so she's, kind of like okay well I know this is what I'm supposed to do I'm supposed to help other Jedi um but I don't really know how and I'm just going to kind of say what I know and hope that it helps and she's very good at it um and she comes from a place of like she comes from a good-hearted place when doing it um but it doesn't really work until Emery lashes out at the end and they have their little fight and Vern is kind of like, listen, this is how things are going to go. And um, that's a very powerful moment for her. Um, and that's kind of where we get the start of her development for later books. Um, but in that book, which is interesting because it is an opening book, like it's uh, Light of the Jedi and Test of Courage come out at the same time. And so this was kind of the introduction to all of the characters. And so we do get to see her later on, which is great because we love her. Yeah, I think that Vern and Emery's relationship is just really good for both of them. 
and specifically because like Imri he's having his trouble with his lightsaber and he's having this like I don't think that I'm ever gonna be a strong enough Jedi and like the one person who I thought really believed in me is gone now and so for Vern to be able to come in and show him that she believes that he can be a strong Jedi and like that she can be the one to teach him that and he like really needs to get that from her and he does and so it's really good for him too and like yeah he him struggling with his emotions is obviously a big thing and like the emotions of other people because it's like it becomes a really big issue for him obviously and Vern even being like I don't know that I'm like old enough or qualified enough to take on a Padawan and like I'm struggling with my own things because I feel like I have all these expectations to live up to with like being so young and being like Stellan's Padawan and Stellan is so well known and like she feels like she has to live up to all these really high expectations but she's like you know what Imri needs someone to be there for him so like even if I'm not going to be flawless at it I'm going to do it anyway for his sake not just for mine and I think that that's exactly like she's exactly the master that he needs and I think that like especially like in the future they're gonna she's really gonna be helpful to him in like becoming a really strong Jedi as he gets older and I think that she like very as much as Imri needs Vernestra I think that Vernestra really needs Imri because we can see more so in our later books which is not something for now but she really they connect in a way that I feel she doesn't really get with other people she has like a, a great connection to people she knows how to she's very empathetic not in the way that Imri is of course but she does understand people's feelings and she is really great at connecting she makes she has amazing friendships but someone she trusts more than anyone is really Emery and she needs someone to go to because she has all those high expectations like you're saying and of people have of her um and Emery kind of doesn't you know he's kind of like well I know you you know and I I know who you are not what everyone else perceives you as and I think she gets that and that is where their relationship really is solid I mean, this we can get into this more when we talk about Out of the Shadows, but one thing, even Vern is like, I feel like maybe I'm too close with Emery and that he's starting to see me as more of like a friend and not a teacher. But the way that she's willing to be like open and honest with him about like her struggles with having a Padawan at such a young age, like she's not trying to pretend that she's a flawless teacher. And also another thing I love about her is that she's not afraid to like go to older more experienced Jedi and ask them for assistance like multiple times she like asks the council for guidance and Stellan and Avar and just like she's not afraid to reach out and ask for help and be like Imri is what's like teaching Imri is what's really important to me right now so like who can I turn to who can help me with that and like how can I be a better master for him so that he can be more successful in the future. Now we're going to shift gears and answer a few of the questions that were sent in to us this week. Okay, so the first one I have is from Pat on Twitter, and it says, if you could take one Jedi out of each book and put them on a mission together, who would you choose and what would that mission be? Earlier, I did mention Wreath, uh, Vern, and Bell, which I think would be very powerful. I'm thinking like, okay, I really like Comac and Vern's interactions in Out of the Shadows, so I'm like them, and then maybe like Avar, or even, oh, honestly, Elzar. I feel like those three... I feel like Elzar and Vern doing something together would be really funny. 
<laughs> yeah. She's very much like um, I am like a child prodigy. I need to do everything by the book. And like even with her like light whip thing, she's like, I'm a little nervous because this isn't like typical. Meanwhile, Elzar is like, I'm gonna do whatever I want. So I feel like the two Elzar of them would together, think that like, light whip oh. is so cool. Literally, she'd be like, I don't know if I should tell Stellan about this. And he's like, oh my God, how did, how did you do he'd this? He'd be like, don't tell Stellan, actually, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Stellan will lose his mind, but I think this is so cool. I would love to see a mission with Avar and Imri. Because of their one little interaction that they have um, in Out of the Shadows, where we do learn that Imri does have a crush on Avar, which is very relatable. <laughs> and so I think if they were sent on a mission together with like Orla or literally anyone from End of the Dark actually would be great, but because they would just witness it. They would, they would look at Imri and be like, oh my God, you have, you have a crush on this woman. <laughs> and Avar would think it would be so adorable. I think I just need that mission with um, Imri and Avar. Yeah, Imri and a Imri with Avar is like the cutest thing ever. Cause I'm like, I just love Imri so much. And like when he was like rambling like about how she showed him her lightsaber and stuff, I was like, this is everything. I need them to interact more. So yeah, I feel like them too would be really fun to watch doing anything. Next question from RuPaul's Pod Race: Who would you like as your Padawan? Hmm. <laughs> my immediate reaction um, is to say Imri but then I'm like I love him but I don't think that I could <laughs> like all of his like <laughs> emotional stuff I'm like I don't feel equipped to deal with that I feel like I just feel like I and also I don't think that I would want someone around who's that in tune to my emotions because the second you feel anything negative he's like what's going like what what's happening what are you thinking about and I can't I can't do that <laughs> And him just being like, remember, okay, there's a little, another part of Out of the Shadows <laughs> um, where Reese is like totally crushing on Vernestra and Emery's like, oh, oh, no, no, no. What, what's happening here? That would happen all the time. Like to me, I would see any High Republic Jedi walking around, any High Republic character walking around and Emery would be like, oh my God, can you stop? I love you, Emery. <laughs> but No. <laughs> me and Imri he's my padawan and we're on like the what's it called the gravity's heart and like Lorna D is there and he's like what the fuck why are you why are you attracted to this like, person like, girl she has sharp teeth <laughs> he's like Comac please do something intervene here <laughs> so yeah maybe oh, not Imri it's not an us thing it's an Imri thing he does not want us as yeah I'm like you don't want to hear all of this <laughs> Not really from what we've been talking about today, but Lula Talasola is my favorite High Republic character. We're very much alike, though. And so I feel like our personalities would clash a lot. And she would end up teaching me. She, like, I would be a Jedi Knight teaching this magnificent Padawan. And she would just be like, no, you're wrong. Um, so I would have to cancel that one out. I, I another, sorry. Another character that we're not talking about today, um, I would, my Padawan would be Farzala. He'd be my Padawan. We would vibe, for sure. I'm still, like, because I'm, like, Burry, but then I have a similar issue that I have with Imri. Burry's not quite at the level that Imri's at, and also Burry just feels like, I don't know, I feel like we just vibe. I feel like he'd be, like, comforting, 
more so Imri I feel like yeah. is more like anxious where he's like something's wrong I'm stressed about it but Burry's mm-hmm. more like something's wrong let me help and so I feel like that would be a better like match for me personally Burry would be such a great Padawan to have yeah I'm like just I just want Burry around me I feel like he's just like can't understand anything he's saying but he's just like a nice presence to everyone another question from Rupalp's pod race drop the kin list besties <laughs> dear god wow, I wonder who left that <laughs> <laughs> I am in fact a resident Elzar man Kenny I do relate to that man because I I do like his whole thing of like I want to do things my own way like that's my thing too so I really like even from the beginning where he's like I don't really want to like do the things to become a master but I want to like have that freedom to do what I want was really relatable for me and then like in Rising Storm a lot of his like inner conflict I was like yeah I really relate to this and like his whole like I have like my two friends and then I want to be left alone like I get that I feel that a lot I relate a lot to Silvestri who we haven't really talked about but I I mean like I just finished Out of the Shadows and I was like oh new new addition to the kin list Another one we didn't really talk about, but Keeve, I also relate to a lot. That is a very solid Kinlan. <laughs> very good. <laughs> there were no red flags there. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, for me, I've already said that I relate a lot to Lula. Um, she definitely is my number one. Um, Ken, also Zine. Um, I love I love Zine so much, but I do relate to her. Um, and we'll get into more of that later. But um, as for other characters, there's a moment in Light of the Jedi that I was listening to today um, where Avar is getting ready to do her whole thing with the, with the Force and the Jedi. And she is like, oh my gosh, if I don't get this right, then everyone's going to die and it's all my fault and blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, wait, I need to calm down. That was a very relatable moment. And I was like, yeah. That, so I do can Avar Chris. Um, I also can Emery. I think we have very similar ways of like trying to control how we're feeling, but it's like really not working. I feel like that is very relatable. I also do Ken Bells at afar. He is a, he is my age, and I do feel a lot of the same like teenager kind of feelings that he has about like getting to know himself a lot and getting to know not only like his place in the force, but his place in like the world too. Um, I feel like I relate a lot to his his process of getting to know himself. Shout out to all of the High Republic authors for just like giving us giving us young people characters that we can look up to and also mm-hmm. relate to. That is a very that is something that does not happen a lot. So many of my favorite characters are all like 17, 18 years old and I and are like having struggles that like even like wreaths thing in out of the shadows is like hmm I've like I've never kissed anyone what's that like I'm like that's such a normal teenager thing and like I feel like a lot of that's lost in the clone wars because they're like literal child soldiers so they don't get to have a childhood whereas like the high republic jedi even though they are like part of the jedi order and like have to hold themselves to almost a higher standard than most people would at that age they're still they still feel like teenagers um, and then our last question, also from Twitter, says, if Thrawn was a Jedi during the High Republic, what would he be like? Lightsaber color, close acquaintances, special abilities, etc. 
Hmm. This is such a fantastic question. I know, like Jedi <laughs> Thrawn. Interesting. Right off the bat, I feel like he would vibe with like Wreath and Comac because they're all like, like I feel like they'd go to an art museum with him, which is pretty much his criteria for friendship. So I feel like they'd yeah. get along and they're yeah. all very like history oriented and like academics oriented. I think that Thrawn would have a purple lightsaber. And here's why. I think that Thrawn would see Vernestra Rowe and just how fantastic she is. And Thrawn has a great like appreciation and respect for young women who know what they're doing and like have it together and are just kick-ass. And he would see her and be like, I want to be like her. And he would have a purple lightsaber. Oh, I have a question actually that we should, I think we should talk about. So we did have, who would be your Padawan? Now, if you were a Padawan, which I feel like I would still be a Padawan at 19, um, (laughs) who would be your master? The way my immediate response is Elzar, but I'm like, on one hand, it's like, we're similar. So I feel like he'd have words of wisdom for me, but also we're similar. So I feel like maybe it wouldn't work. I do think Loden is a very good master. I feel like his teaching methods would be considered different to a lot of other Jedi. I think that they're like effective and it would be like the relationship he has with Bell is like the kind of relationship that for me would be beneficial. I think like if I was a Padawan. I would choose, if I got to choose my master, it would be Porter Angle. Like no question. I am such a Porter stan. Um, I love that man so much. There's one line in Light of the Jedi where he, it's like, he is chasing the Nihil with Bell. And he's kind of just looking at Bell for a minute, you know, as he has his lightsaber drawn, ready to go attack the Nihil. He's kind of just looking at Bell and he goes, you know what? He's a kid. <laughs> he's got time to figure it out. And I think that is something that I need <laughs> in a master. I love that he's just like retired and he's like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go cook for people. I think he should start like a cooking blog on the hollow net. I think that that would be really great. <laughs> he has, he has a TikTok where he just <laughs> cooks, he just makes he his little recipes like, welcome back to cooking class, everybody. <laughs> he tells war stories from, oh from 300 years ago. <laughs> like while stuff's in the oven, he's like, now let's talk about my Jedi history. <laughs> let's talk about how I got the name the Blade of Bardota. Literally. (laughs) Everyone in the comments is like, where does that nickname come from? Like, please tell us. And he's just like, hmm, that's not a story you guys need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all the comments are just like, like, talk about your nickname. And he's like, ignoring them. (laughs) My God, I love TikTok star Porter Engel. Him and Stellan. Stellan, his um, internet fame. They start the they start the High Republic hype house, and then they (laughs) (laughs) and then I can totally see Stellan being like, "Elzar, do you want to like make a TikTok with me?" (laughs) Elzar's like, "Get away!" They're like in the background of his TikToks. You can see like Avar and Elzar, and people in the comments are like, "What's what? What are they? Who is that? Are they dating?" They're just like, "Oh my god, look at that man over there." Stellan's like, look at me. <laughs> They'll be like those, like, who's hotter, Stellan or Elzar, like, on the end. <laughs> Everyone's like, shaking it's like retweet <laughs> for Elzar, like, for Stellan. 
not the high republic hype house now i'm like going through i'm like who's gonna be a member of that loading I great like, storm yeah when yeah. he like when he gets kidnapped by the Nihil, everyone's like, "Where ha- what happened to Loden? Like, why is he in the TikToks anymore?" And they're just like, "No, no comment. Don't talk about it." Reith, uh, Comac is like on the High Republic hype house, and Reith is like, "Master, you're embarrassing me." Yeah, same with Belle. Belle is like, "Yeah, oh, I don't want to be involved." Belle, Reith, and Burn are all like, "We have to get our dads off the internet. We're this is not a good plan yeah. for them." <laughs> And then Imri joins the Hype House and Vern is like, not you too. <laughs> it's like all the older masters. They like, Stellan is like on TikTok live and like forgets to turn it off during a council meeting. <laughs> That's, uh, Martian doesn't actually have an informant in the Senate. He just like, <laughs> Stellan just puts on TikTok live every time he's in meetings. <laughs> Martian has his like burner TikTok account where he's just like following Stellan Geos. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions. Please feel free to send us questions. You can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram, or leave them in either of our Q&As on TikTok. In next week's episode, we will start discussing the second wave of High Republic novels, and we're going to be starting with The Rising Storm and Out of the Shadows, so feel free to send us questions related to those as well.